Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, author of Chicken Poop or Chicken Fact, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 
4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Tasty Grubs by Tasty Worms Nutrition are the original dried black soldier fly larva made right here in the USA. Tasty Grubs are high in protein and calcium, vital nutrients for laying hens. Customers have reported an increase in shell quality, egg taste, and a reduction in molting time. For a limited time, get a bag of Tasty Grubs 100% free. Simply enter tastyworms.com forward slash whisper into your web browser and add one to your cart today. Save 10% on all other products such as dried mealworms by entering the coupon code whisper at checkout. That's tastyworms.com forward slash whisper. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The 1.5 horsepower motor and 20-inch stainless steel tub can handle two 8-pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance-free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Combox Feeds. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Today's topic is Poultry Research Translated, one of my favorite shows that we do here on uh, Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And uh, my guest today is Dr. Bridget McCray. And so it's going to be a great, uh, great show. You can get those pens and uh, ver ready that you have, hopefully chock full of information you've gotten from the show over the last nine years and 1,105 episodes. How cool is that? Um, and uh, Dr. McCray will be joining us here in a little bit. Uh, very productive day. Just got done writing another article for Acreage Life magazine. I believe this one will be in the uh, July issue of the magazine. That's uh, kind of the uh, magazine that's, I guess, the sister magazine of uh, Chicken Whisper magazine. Just did an article there talking about chicken laws and and uh, the, the number of folks across the country that are trying to get their laws changed in their cities, towns, counties, subdivisions, 
to allow some backyard poultry. So uh, I touched on that in a Chicken Whisper magazine, and the um, from the editor. And I may uh, actually run this article, and maybe even a little bit more detailed article in Chicken Whisper magazine this summer. There was a yawn from nowhere, and uh, to get that done. But you know, I haven't really been doing that in, in several years. Things just took off. The book, actually, books now. The other one's coming out. My second book in in December. Um, of course, the podcast, um, the uh, uh, the magazine, everything just kind of was going crazy, which is great. National spokesperson, and so I didn't really, and still really, don't have much time to individually help folks. Uh, other than sending them, uh, maybe talking to them on the phone for 20 or 30 minutes or sending them kind of just a generic overview of, of what's worked. But back in the day before all this, uh, before uh, the Chicken Whisper brand and whatnot, I was first uh, known and kind of well-known uh, as the the go-to person to change laws from around the country. Uh, Florida to can name different uh, cities all the way across the eastern seaboard um, that we've uh, helped to get the laws changed, and all the way out Texas, California, uh, Colorado, and even over to, um, I believe it was Oregon. And uh, so uh, always be glad to, uh, to help and uh, give tips regarding that, what's worked. We've been very successful with this, um, and uh, to get that done. So uh, that I just got done finishing that article, and it does bring back a lot of fond memories of, of going and speaking to council members and county commissioners at towns around the country and uh, just some of the things that you hear uh, the opponents to um, uh, the backyard poultry movement. Some of it's laughable at best, but, but we, we really, uh, I think one reason why we've been successful is to keep everything science-based, fact-based, study-based, kind of get the emotions out of it. Um, and then uh, um, we've, it's just like the back of my hand now, we just uh, have heard just about every um, counter there is to uh, warning backyard poultry. What about this? What about, uh, uh, well, my, if we allow chickens, then my uh, property values are going to go down. Oh, chickens are attract rodents. Oh, what about the smell? What about the noise? All this. And just, boom, just right off the tip of my tongue, we have an excellent science-based, fact-based, study-based reply that, at the end of the day, for the most part, just shuts them up uh, because there's no way they can fight, uh, fight it um, because there's no science that, that backs that up. One of my favorites, one of the easiest and fastest to make a moot point uh, is the property values. Someone will say, well, I don't want backyard poultry in my neighborhood because it will reduce my property values. So you just get up there and to make this a moot point, should be never discussed again uh, during the, the issue, is that, uh, really? So if I put a coop and some chickens in my backyard, your property values are going to decrease. Okay, uh, show me the proof. And, you know, I say that all the time about this, this, this crap on chicken blogs and chicken forums about remedies and all this quackery. Show me the proof. They can't show you the proof other than it worked for me, and then there's no proof. Um, they don't even know it worked for them because they have, you know, okay, that's another story. But uh, show me the proof. Show me where anybody in the United States, not just your subdivision, not just your town, not just your county, not just your state, show me anywhere in the country where somebody, a homeowner, Show me where a homeowner was selling their home and they got less for it because the town they were selling their home in allowed backyard poultry or because a neighbor had backyard poultry. Show me the proof. Over a decade I've been asking for this information. It's never been presented to me. So you didn't follow up with. So you can't show me the proof. Uh, I've been doing this 10 years. I've never seen proof. No one's ever uh, presented me the proof. So we're arguing about something that's never happened in the history of Earth. 
As long as men have been walking the earth, this has never happened. So why are we even going to discuss this if it's never happened in the history of earth? Let's move on. Let's talk about other productive things. This has never happened. So why are you worried about something that's never happened in the history of earth? So uh, And then they just kind of shut up and sit down. So uh, got to love the kind of the same thing with the chickens attract rodents. Uh, you know, and sometimes you have to make it so blatantly uh, stupid sounding that, that a lot of people actually get, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Makes sense. Never thought about that. Okay. Chickens uh, attract rodents um, and rats. Um, really? Okay. Um, that's scientifically untrue. Um, you can ask scientists, poultry scientists about that. Chickens themselves a chicken sitting over, say, right here in, 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 in the uh, floor, chickens themselves do not attract rodents and, and rats. Rodents are attracted to a feed source and a water source. So, again, to make this a moot point, if you're fighting City Hall, um, yes, a chicken feeder can be a source of food for rodents. Yes, a chicken waterer can be a source for water for rodents. But if you look at the overall picture in your town, your community, your county, your city, your subdivision, far more people that live right here in your subdivision, in your county, in your county, are attracting more rodents than the chicken owners because they already have attractants in their backyard to attract rodents and rats. Example number one, wild bird feeders. Okay. How many birds fly over to the wild bird feeder? They, they're walking up there, you know, scooping through the food, and all that wild bird feed falls into the grass in your yard below. There's your feed source for those rats, mice, and rodents. Water source, that bird feeder in your backyard, that beautiful decorative pond you have in your backyard, that pool you have in your backyard, and wait, that potted plant you have sitting on your back deck in your backyard, guess what? That's the water source, because it has that little reservoir underneath that potted plant where the water kind of builds up after you water it or after it rains. So if you're so concerned, city council members, about attracting rodents, rats, mice to your community, maybe in the next meeting, next month, Tuesday night, right here, maybe we need to talk about banning wild bird feeders here in your town and potted plants and pools and ponds if you're so concerned about that. Because even if you allow backyard poultry, there will be so many more people and the few people that put a coop in their backyard because you passed this ordinance to allow backyard chickens, so many more people are already attracting mice and rodents to their backyard. So um, it's interesting. It's very entertaining for me because I've been doing it so much. It just rolls off the tongue. And you say, hey, uh, somebody stands up and complains about a certain topic, and then I get up and say, let's put this to bed. Let's make this a moot point. Let's roll with this. So uh, that's been entertaining this morning. Brought back a lot of memories writing that article about getting chicken laws changed uh, around the country. Got to love it. And um, you can contact me if you're having some issues. Uh, I guarantee you I've heard it, done it, um, and we've got to pass, uh, even in uh, HOAs. Uh, so it's interesting. Um, let's see. What's another entertaining thing that's happened this week? Oh, got to love this one. So um, you often know, you follow me on Facebook and Twitter, and you listen to the show, you read my magazine and the books, and so you know it's all about fact-based, science-based, study-based information, getting the right information into the hands of the backyard chicken owners. Not just, oh, it worked for me, or hey, I saw this on a blog, so it must be right. Um, real good information you can rely on to keep a healthy flock. So over the years, 
um, I often am confronted by people. I'll post something. I'll paint you a picture. Post something on Facebook, and um, uh, it'll be something like um, uh, some some great article, great feedback, great educational piece from, we'll say, Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., poultry scientist, poultry professor, uh, Dr. Maurice Patisky uh, out of UC Davis University, um, or uh, Dr. Um, Oh, geez, what's, uh, Dr. Zach uh, up in up in Tennessee, Tennessee Tech, or you know, you just, you just name it, doesn't matter. That's my point. Uh, a uh, some uh, poultry nutritionist, poultry scientist, poultry veterinarian. They write a piece, and I post it, or I refer to that piece written by these poultry experts around the country, top poultry universities. And lo and behold, not every time, but over the years, been doing this over a decade, uh, full time. Uh, it's um, I'll have somebody say, well, do they even have backyard chickens? Sure, where they're really going with that? Maybe maybe these, you know, they have years and years of, of training specifically with poultry and chickens, and they may or may not have a personal flock in their backyard, so because they don't, that negates everything they've learned and studied over the last decade full-time. And then and all their experience as being maybe a poultry lab diagnostic doctor or a poultry veterinarian and poultry scientist because they may or may not uh, have a six hens in their backyard with a little plastic coop negates all of the science information that they share. Is that where they're going with this when they say, well, when I refer to something written by a poultry scientist, poultry veterinarian, poultry nutritionist, PhDs and the uh, VMs, Dr. Veterinary Medicine, and, and they come back with this reply, well, do they even have backyard chickens? So recently, <laughs> I love this, it happened again. And... I had a young lady that said, again, I was for information from one of these scientists, veterinarians, uh, whoever, and again, the, the same thing that I've heard for a decade. Well, I bet they don't even have backyard chickens. Uh, do they even have backyard chickens? Like if they don't have backyard chickens because they're a doctor, everything that they know as a poultry scientist or, 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 or a poultry doctor is negated. It's, it's moot because they don't have backyard chickens. So I asked this young lady, hmm, wait for it. I asked this young lady, do you have a male gynecologist? <laughs> and you can start laughing. You can start smiling. She had to think for a second. What do you mean? <laughs> so you are discounting everything this doctor has researched, has learned in school, has practiced over all of these years in poultry science. You're negating that because they don't have or may not have, because some of them do have backyard flocks, but you're negating that. You're saying, oh, that's moot because they don't have a backyard flock. But yet you as a woman, and the majority of them do. You can look it up. The majority of women have a male doctor, gynecologist. So do they argue 
when that male gynecologist or doctor recommends them to do something, uh, medication, wants to treat, wants to do surgery, wants to cure, does that woman say, well, I don't agree with that. I, don't, I think all of that is moot because, well, sir, doctor, gynecologist, male, do you, do you have a vagina? I wonder how, how many of them think like that. Okay, you can stop laughing. That's, that's you know, welcome to my world when, when we hear this and, and people use this. And I'm thinking, how many more times over the years am I going to have to deal with this? Well, do they have backyard chickens? <laughs> so I love this analogy. It works because the people who are saying this and, 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 are, and are really negating and, and, and discounting and not even paying attention to all this, all the schooling, all the research, all their experience regarding their back, backyard poultry, regarding poultry, regarding chickens, it, it's, it means nothing. It must not be accurate. It must not be because they don't, may have not, they, you know, six hens in the backyard called a backyard flock. But they won't question their male gynecologist, even though he does not have a vagina. You can't have it both ways, right? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that from now on. Uh, I just uh, kind of used that recently. It worked wonders. It worked fabulously. And so now every time I'm in that scenario again and say, and, and I hear that, well, do they even have a backyard flock? I'm rolling with that one, right? Right? I'm rolling with that one. So uh gotta gotta love it. Oh me. Um I'm going to run a couple of commercials and I'm gonna give Dr. McCray a, a call here and um because we talked yesterday. In fact we got a really cool thing going on that we're gonna do. Uh she's doing some type of contest. I think it's a four H contest. And um and we are going to um, uh, one of the prizes is going to be a a visit um, a real visit from from the Chicken Whisperer and Dr. McRae and a signed copy of our book uh, right there in their backyard I think the contest is just in Alabama so we were talking yesterday uh, about that Um, so we were going to to do that so I know she knows about the show she may have had an emergency meeting um, there at Auburn University where she's employed, so I'm going to give her a call. Plus, there's a time change, and she just moved to Alabama from Delaware, so she may, when we all, you know, she's still getting used to that. Yeah, 2 o'clock, okay, and 2 o'clock my time, but it's 1 o'clock her time, so um, I'm going to give her a call and see if she's going to come over. If not, I'll continue talking about law. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> no problem. So she'll be on in just a second. So, so I really love that scenario. Okay, hang on just a second. I am the proud father of a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and my four-year-old just says, "Daddy, I'm all done." <laughs> okay, what does that mean? I'm in the potty. I'm all done. <laughs> okay, guys. Nature calls. Let me do my daddy duties here. Very good. All right, baby girl. Flush and wash and be on your way. <laughs> Just like Daniel Tagler, right? All right. So um, 
You heard it here first on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Boy, what a great show. So we've talked about changing laws. We've talked about um, uh, ladies saying, well, do they even have? And then we're uh, getting ready to do poultry research translated. And um, it's going to be a great show. Let me go ahead and go to the second commercial break. We always run two commercial breaks during the show uh, for our awesome sponsors. And then that way when Dr. McRae uh, calls in, there will be no more commercial breaks for the rest of the show. Okay? So um, I'm going to go ahead and do that now while we're waiting on her to call in. And then when we come back, um, it'll be nothing but poultry research translated until the end of the show. How cool is that? Stay with us, folks. We're having a yeah, boy, the show's already been a grand one. Uh, and hopefully you've had some laughs and some of those aha hmm, moments already. But uh, there'll be more to come as soon as Dr. McRae calls. And so stay with us. We'll be back right after this short break. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. 
That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H-Feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Thank you for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper brought to you on Bach Feed. Now it is time. Let me welcome the one, the only. <laughs> Dr. Brady <laughs> Hey! Hi! How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I was just sharing them. Uh, I was sharing about, uh, I was just writing an article for Acreage Life about getting laws changed, and I kind of missed that. It's been a while, you know, because before all the Chicken Whisper stuff, books and magazines and the national spokesperson and their show and all that, I was kind of known nationwide for getting laws changed and being very successful at it, and I've been kind of out of that. I just don't have time. So I was writing an article about all of that and the experience and tips and tricks and things like that. And then I got in and I shared with this I shared this with you earlier in the week. I was sharing with all of our listeners about how um uh women who will ask me when I refer to information from a doctor of chickens, uh, a veterinarian, uh doctor like Maurice Potesky or Dr. Bridget McCrae or Dr. Nancy um um Buchanan, they're uh, a poultry nutritionist. Um it, it, when they sit, when I refer to something from those doctors, and they say, "Well, do they have a backyard flock?" Because, like, if they don't have, a, you know, six hens in their personal backyard, and all of their studies, all of their experience, all of the of, of their schooling, all that is moot if they don't have six hens in their backyard that, that, that they, they have in their as pets. So everything. So, so you know, I was I was just covering that scenario I covered with you earlier about uh, when I asked the woman if um, she had a male uh, gynecologist, and if she did, does when that doctor recommends a treatment or something regarding that subject, does she think, well, doctor, Mister Doctor, do you have a vagina? So, so because if you don't, well, the whole. Re- the whole reason why I got into this is because I used to show chickens, and yes, I had chickens, and a lot of my suggestions <laughs> comes from my own personal experience, and I understand yeah. there's only X amount of hours in the day, and do I think I could get it done if I had to? Yes, these are the priorities, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I told um, him, you know, yeah. folks that I refer to actually do have uh, backyard uh, backyard chickens. So in fact, I know uh, Casey uh, Baravesh with the uh, with the CDC, who's written for our magazine before and has been on the show several times. She grew up on a not just a, 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 she grew up on a farm in Texas. I mean, we're talking farm. She had a few chickens and goats and rabbits and dogs and cows and. She just loved animals so much growing up as a young girl in Texas. She says, I want to be a veterinarian. So she got her doctor in veterinary medicine, then she got her doctor in public health, and then she's, oh, my gosh, she's brainiac. So, um, and, yes, she's had pet chickens before like everybody else. And so, But, but now because she's had 10 years of, of college and all this experience and all this science and everything else, studies and research, none of that means anything because maybe now she doesn't have six hens in her backyard. I just don't get that scenario. I think they're just trying to. Anyway, so um, we've got Poultry trans- uh, poultry Research Translated, one of my favorite shows we do. And uh, <laughs> we don't have to extend the show anymore. If you have two or three, we can share before three, because I've already filled the ears of all our listeners with all kinds of great okay. information. They've had 
They've had some laughs, so we can run still till three o'clock. No need to go over, but I'm I'm ready okay. to roll. If you well, the first one I'm going to talk to you about is is one that um, all three actually come from Poultry Science Journal. This one actually comes out of Australia. It's the potential of pelleted wheat straw as an alternative bedding material for broiler chickens. Um, we've talked in the past about different types of bedding and what works and what doesn't work, but I've never seen one that was pelleted wheat straw. And you know how I feel about straw. If it's down to a certain size, then it then it works. But um, this particular project um, went through in its introduction, did a very nice job of explaining, you know, and and conceding that, you know, there's a lot of problems with differing litters. Um, sometimes, depending on what region of the world you live in, you may want to use a byproduct from another industry because it's cheap. Uh, but you got to do the work to see if it's really um, going to bite you in the rear in the end. So they looked at research in the past that was done with shredded paper, wheat straw, rice holes, um, you know, paper-based litter, they realized it has a high water holding capacity. Um, shredded or ground paper products can be dusty. Um, and it could also sometimes have a lot of caking around the waters where the chickens go and they'll poop when they're drinking water or around the feeders. Um, chopped wheat straw is, is uh, you know, alternative broiler litter, but particle size, is a difficulty because sometimes you can get larger particles in there. And then if you're talking meat chickens, you always have to consider breast blisters and foot pad lesions. You don't want to choose an alternative litter that ends up causing the bird discomfort. If a bird has foot pad lesions, they're not going to make the walk to and from um, the feeders or the waters. You know, foot pad lesions start in the middle of the foot pad, but sometimes they can extend onto the toe pads. And when your feet hurt, then the chickens will rock back onto their hocks to kind of get their feet off the ground and raise them up. And then the hocks start to get lesions. Um, and then because the birds are on, on close contact with the litter, you know, broiler chickens, they're not, you know, going to go perch. They always lay down on the litter. The more contact time they have with the litter, you can end up with breast blisters. So there are these things that we have to take a look at and, you know, what is something that could be a, a residue from another industry? Are the birds, you know, going to eat it and get, you know, toxic? Are they going to get, you know, some toxinum that we can't deal with? Are we are we seeing an increase of, of maybe um, coccidiosis because of the litter? Uh, any fungus infections? What about internal parasites? These are all things to kind of consider. Um, you know, a lot of your listeners, Andy, I fully realize have laying hens. But the nice part about doing research with broiler chickens <clears throat> on different types of litter is because their contact time is so much greater um, in direct contact with the litter. So it's a neat way to kind of say, look, the propensity of this species, this member of the species is to spend a lot of time in contact. Why don't we look at this species and see how they do? It gives you an idea of whether it's even a good idea to proceed to um, maybe ducks or turkeys or even laying hens. So what they wanted to do was see 
you know, does pelleted wheat straw work as a bedding material for for taking a look at overall broiler performance? How did they grow? Their gut microflora, you know, did you see any alterations or changes in, in any of the sizes of any of their organs? Um, and then welfare. So here's how they did it. Um, what they did is they, and again, this was in Australia, they had 360 male Ross 308 chicks. Um, they got them on hatching day from a local hatchery. And they did in, in vaccinations against uh, Merrick's disease and infectious bronchitis. And they used 30 pens. And each of the 30 pens were stocked with 12 birds using a randomized design. Uh, so they had replications and, you know, fed them, you know, starter diet, grower diet, finisher diet. And they were done, you know, about 35 days because that's, you know, that's about where you are with a, a meat chicken uh, experiment. Um, so what were they, they looked at feed conversion ratio, pen weight, feed consumption, mortality, you know, Feed conversion ratio was calculated um, on, a, on a, probably on a weekly basis. Pen weights, um, mortality was daily. They recorded that daily. Weight gain, um, and then they looked at um, you know they looked at the structure of the litter itself because whenever you know we we're very very familiar with what litter does when you're using wood shavings. Um, what's the moisture content? How far down? You know. You can actually scale litter on a four-point scale as to whether it's moist, dry, slightly moist, caked, um, outwardly wet. Those are those are all things to consider. Um, one of the things that you can pay attention to is the pH of the gut content. That's going to tell you a little bit more. The weight of the gizzard. We all know our chickens pick up stuff in the coops, and depending on how the gizzard reacts with whatever it is they're eating, which includes this new litter product, um, it can affect the overall gizzard weight. Gizzard is a giblet, so it is something that we we do eat. Um, Not so me. if it's going to – go ahead. <laughs> Not me. Oh, you don't eat gizzards. Okay. No gizzard um, gizzard. Look... Nope. <laughs> no organ meats for Andy. Okay. I won't serve any to you then, okay. My mom and dad um, love being raised in the South. I like them actually down here. Fried livers and gizzards, Friday night special, six ninety nine. Um, Deep fried, no, yeah. Hey, here's here's my theory, and, I, and I've addressed this. You, I may have even addressed this with you, and even uh, human um, uh, physicians and things like that. But you know, it's kind of like the liver is supposed to filter out all the bad stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I'll just go ahead. If this, this, this organ filters out all the bad stuff, it's bad for my body. I think I'll cook it and eat it. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of yeah. Those. Some of my friends that. feel the same way. They're like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to eat the filter. Nope. I'm not going to eat the filter. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. You can say that with anything. It's like you got to admire the first person who saw a chick, who the first the first person who saw an egg come out of a chicken's butt and say, "I think I'll go there and eat that." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 
I'll respect them, I guess. The names will, but you got to respect that person. So, okay, carry on. Sorry, I just had to say that. Okay. Um, well, what they did is, you know, they looked at all these different things. They also looked at the kind of bacteria that were hanging out in the Sika. Just as a reminder, the Sika are the two blind-ended pouches at the end of the small intestine where it meets up with large intestine. Uh, and they're, you know, it's where extra digestion takes place. So um, the feed-conversion ratio of birds that were on the pelleted straw was improved compared to birds that were raised on rice holes. Um, so, oh, and I should just clarify, they compared pelleted straw, chopped wheat straw, wood shavings, rice holes, and shredded paper. I, I probably should have said that first. Um, so... Um, pelleted straw feed conversion ratio was better than that of rice holes, but was no different from wood shavings, um, chopped straw, or shredded paper. Um, birds on wood shavings had higher gizzard weights uh, compared to those on pelleted straw. Gizzard pH was measured and sequel bacteria groups um, were not really affected by the type of bedding material that was used overall in the study. So no big differences there. Um, including um, including the sequel bacterial groups. I did mention that, didn't I? Okay. Pelleted wheat straw had lower incidence of foot pad lesions than chopped straw. Hey! It's always a good sign. Um, shredded you know, chopped straw and shredded paper ended up being a little bit worse than the um, the pelleted wheat straw. Um, breath blisters wasn't really affected um, by any of the litter sources, so it wasn't worse or better in any one group um, at particular ages. Uh, pelleted straw litter was less caked than chopped straw and shredded paper. Um, there was no difference between pelleted straw, wood shavings, and rice holes with regard to um, caking. The wait, no, that doesn't sound right. Uh, oh, on certain days during the study, so later on in the study, day 24, 29, and 35, pelleted straw litter was less caked than chopped straw and shredded paper. Whereas there were no significant differences observed among pelleted straw, wood shavings, and rice holes. The study demonstrated um, that there could be potential benefits for it being used as a bedding material. Um, my guess is the next step, wherever they've done this research, whether you know whether they're set up to do this or not, I don't know. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times in the United States and other countries, they will try to get multiple flocks off of the same load of bedding. So they might try composting this or at least see if if what the rest period might be between flocks has to be for this new litter material. Because we know that certain bacteria, fungi, viruses can hang out in the litter between flocks. If you're going to reuse it, you don't want your baby chicks to go down on litter that's still um, harboring these organisms. Um, and they might see if if any differences that they see here in this 
new litter if it starts to disappear or sometimes the, the chasms widen as you use that litter for maybe, you know, one flock, two flock, three flock, four flock, five flock, so on. So that's probably where they might consider going next as far as um, additional research on this topic. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know who's created the technology for pelletizing um, wheat straw or straw of any sort, but, you know, hey, who knows? Maybe it could come here to the U.S. next. I don't know. Any questions? No, it's interesting. I yeah. wonder if tizing it um, like has kind of the same um, method as like pelletized feed, where you have to chop yeah. it up and wet it and make a you know obviously make a mush. It's got to be extruded. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and then put it in a dye and then and then extract it out. Interesting. I'll have to start looking for that. <laughs> Cool. This next study is done by um, someone who uh, you may be familiar with. He was a co-author in this particular study. Um, it's Dr. Pachewski. I was kind of yeah. thrilled to see that this work was done. Um, it was done at UC Davis, and it was a survey. Operational challenges and opportunities in pastured poultry operations in the United States. Um, so what they did is they, they sent out a, um, a survey to different pasture poultry producers, and they used an online questionnaire. Um, in the past, I know they've done SurveyMonkey, that sort of mechanism. Um, okay. So you really do get a little bit of a bias there in who responds. Number one, it's got to be somebody who does the Internet, has a computer, responds to surveys, has an Internet connection, all those things. So, um, you know, so you have to take surveys with a grain of salt. You always do. Um, but what they found out after asking a series of questions, um, they wanted to see what are small pasture poultry producers interested in as far as research. Um, and this is, this is really helpful to researchers like, say, to myself, because we want to know what our constituents want us to work on. Um, so they, they, they said, what, what operational challenges are you facing? And what educational opportunities should be initiated by researchers? And their results showed that um, these people have huge variations in the total number of acres that they manage, that they farm. And therefore, you know, it kind of influences the number of birds that they keep. Um, the majority of people who responded, 96%, said that they rotate their flocks on pasture. And 78% um, use another livestock species in their rotation system. Huh. So that's interesting. And, and, you know, from a veterinary perspective, you know, when you start to cross species on the same piece of land, sometimes you can get zoonotic diseases. We've talked about this in the past. Like salmonella is a perfect example. It can affect humans. It can affect chickens. So it's a zoonotic organism. Mobile coops were the preferred housing utilized by the majority of people who participated in the survey. 
And the most common source of mortality was predation. Get this, 52% of people who had responded had experienced predation in their flock. Mm-hmm. Now, I know when I've done this survey with backyard flock owners, it's been higher, like 75%. Um, mortality, they also had another category um, just listed as other for mortality, and that was 32%. I don't know what other could consist of. Um, I mean, disease, it could be just, you know, physical, um, you know, genetic or um, accidental death. Um, But predation, surprisingly, was not chosen by producers as the most important challenge. So what, if, if there, if over half of the people who responded said that, yeah, I've had, predation, um, but it's not my major, major concern. Um, 64% of those who participated in the survey said that they had their, they, they wanted to provide adequate feed at a reasonable cost. That was their major challenge um, in keeping pastured poultry. That's 64%. Their second most major challenge they listed as other challenges. Um, another thing that they said, 40% responded, a lack of processing facilities for small numbers of birds. That was another challenge. Um, so as I mentioned, they were also asking producers to respond to um, what educational opportunities should be in- initiated. So topics considered um, by the respondents as the most helpful to learn more was um, 67% wanted to improve egg production rates and or feed conversion ratios. 62% wanted to improve pasture condition and the optimum vegetative cover all year. And these were all things that I built into a, <laughs> a research grant that I had several years ago for a research facility that was ruined by Hurricane Sandy. So I feel everyone's pain on this <laughs> completely. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it allows us as researchers to kind of go, okay, this is what people want. This is what they need. Um, uh, some research. Um, so now, mind you, this is all really interesting information. But you have to take this with a grain of salt, all right? They sent this survey out via SurveyMonkey to the American Pasture Poultry Producers Association. It's a, it's a networking organization. They, they do some education, and they encourage the production of pasture poultry. And they used their listserv, which had 607 members. The questionnaire that was used was 10 questions long. Um, 25, okay? So, like I said, you need to take these results with a grain of salt. The pasture poultry producers was given an opportunity to contribute to the research that can be done on their behalf and only 25 people out of 607 chose to respond. So uh, I, I get it. People are busy, but they had 
a, a long period of time to respond. Um, so sometimes you have to wonder what what are the priorities? You know, they complain that nobody's doing anything for them, but an opportunity presents itself and nobody left at it. So you know, it, kind of you take it with a grain of salt. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting and I would share that with you. Um, but I know that we are getting close to, to, to time out here and I've got one more study that I wanted to share with you that I thought was really kind of cool. Um, and so I'm going to switch gears on you. Um, there's a new product out there that was being tested by researchers in the Netherlands and, um, it's called experimental validation of the AvaVet trap, which is a tool to quanti- quantitatively, pardon me, quantitatively monitor the dynamics of Bermanisus gallinae populations in laying hens. And that's a mite, Bermanisus gallinae or D. gallinae. Um, so, what they did is they did research in laying hens in, the, in a cage system, and they they basically, when a house is infested with mites, um, the birds don't do very well. And birds that don't do it, and we're talking the red mite. Um, birds that don't do it very well, their welfare is, is terrible. Um, they have poor productivity. Um, they crawl on humans and can, you know, bite humans, although we're not the correct host. Um, they can, you know, if they crawl on you, they can bite you and they cause you to itch and scratch. And, yeah, overall, um, it's a parasite, and it acts like a parasite. And, you know, there's, there's no there's no tool out there really to look at the four stages, eggs, larvae, nymphs, and adults in poultry houses. So, what they did is they created this trap to see if they could kind of monitor uh, quantitatively the dynamics in the infestations that can occur in houses. Um, so they took, uh, you know, fully equipped cages with um, Spathus leghorns. Spathus is um, specific pathogen-free leghorns, Spathus leghorns. So they're really clean leghorns. I mean, if you invest in spaffist birds, you're buying, you know, the Ferrari of chickens. It's it's a chicken that's never been exposed to anything. So for research purposes, they are clean inside and out. Uh, and they're maintained in facilities that are just immaculate, um, biosecurity up the wazoo, so on and so forth. So spaffist birds are, you know, you want to – start with a clean slate, you start with spathus birds. Um, so what they did is they exposed spathus birds to three different infestation levels, low, medium, and high. And the trap was able to detect um, the red mites at high, uh, about 5,000 mites, uh, medium, about 2,500 mites, and low, which is 50 mites at all three levels of infestation. and um, they did some equations to to actually get the total number of nymphs and adults in a cage and and you know 
look at it on a you know total number value and you know they the the trap was okay um it appears to be really kind of workable for identifying and quantifying infestations um so they they correlated about 99.6% to the counted number um, in the trap to all the stages, eggs, larvae, nymphs, and adults. And so, you know, the trap did work. Uh, If you were someone who was trying to see perhaps if a new product worked in your house for removing these mites or a new procedure or a preventative measure, you might be able to use this trap to see if you can see a difference before and after and see if it's having an overall effect on all the life stages that can occur in a house. Because if you, you know, most of us only really notice the the, the things crawling on us or um, what they see on the birds themselves. So, you know, there there's different kinds of, of Cardboard traps, there's um, examining the feathers, examining what falls off the birds, um, there's mite monitors, there's dry droppings, tube traps, automatic counters that are out there. You can even do a, a scoring system, but, you know, this, they were kind of comparing what's out there with this new new product, and um, it seemed to work. So... I, it gives you an idea of what they're trying to work on in the poultry industry on behalf of all those birds that are being raised commercially. And I know a lot of people keep their their small flocks or start a small flock because they don't like the idea that birds in commercial industry are being raised in close quarters and, and nobody, you know, interacts with them every single day which isn't really true. There's somebody in there every day with the birds, but, you know, maybe not playing with them. Um, you know, there's, there's that question of, all right, if somebody's got a backyard flock, what's their excuse for having their birds um, full of mites or lice or whatever? I mean, the, the ratio of birds to human is, is so much greater. Um, if they're dealing with this issue um, proactively in commercial industry, so should we be with our backyard flocks? So mm-hmm. that's kind of the moral of the story that I have for this particular article. Um, and do you have any questions about this interesting topic? Not right now. No? <laughs> well, I tried to find three, nothing nothing herbal this time, but I tried to find three that were really more management-oriented and Anything unusual, I always set off to the side. Um, and, and oh, I was supposed to have an answer for a Christmas chick this time. Oh, mm. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> uh, next time. <laughs> next time we talked, I should have Christmas chick's answer um, to her question. Uh, I'm not recalling what the question is this time, but we'll talk afterwards, and hopefully I can give her a call and get get that answer. Um, But, no, I try to set aside interesting articles, and I I think I may have found one for the next time we do this that's really kind of cool. 
but I'm a little hesitant because it's a review article and it's not really what we've been covering in 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 these experimental explanations that we've been doing. But um, all right, well, I think I'll just turn it back over to you, Andy, and thanks for letting me chat up three new interesting experiments that might be of interest to your listeners. Yeah, that's some cool stuff. This is one of my favorite shows, always has been, and it's just some of the, you have to think, just some of the studies that they're doing, and like you said, and some are, you know, can can help out the backyard poultry community and just the interesting things that, again, a lot of people just don't think about or may not know that the science involved in a lot of this, oh, it's it's no big deal, just put a few chickens in a little plastic doghouse out back, they'll be all right, and then... um. And then they, it's a quick, quick learning curve for them. So um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I love this show. So that's awesome. And thank you very much for joining us. And it uh, looks like, uh, let me look here. Um, actually, there's three Thursdays in this month. So maybe we'll look at our schedules and see if you're around on the 29th. If not, we'll just start back in July and, uh, okay. and go from there. But thanks so much for joining us again today. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate coming on the show and sharing what I've got with folks. It's awesome. Thank you so much. That is Dr. Bridget McRae, and she's over at Auburn University, works a lot with uh, 4-H and Extension, and she was a professor up north for a while, and she's back down to her alma mater there in uh, in Auburn uh, where she got her uh, Ph.D. I think she got all of her other uh, degrees out at UC Davis and then got a Ph.D. from Auburn, so I know she's glad to be back there. But um, So we love it when she's on twice a month maybe three times a month this month. That Wouldn't that be a blessing? So hope all of you guys are doing well. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you had some laughs. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next Thursday right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. God bless everybody. <laughs> Backyard Poultry.